The reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, 1 to 6, and 16 to 21. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the, streets, at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be not seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, there, um, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please bow with me in prayer. Our Father, uh, we come before you uh, this uh, Wednesday evening, uh, and we ask that uh, you would just uh, pour your spirit out upon us, that uh, you would point our eyes to Jesus, that you would help us to see ourselves uh, more clearly as you see us, um, and that we would, above all, see your Son more clearly. Um, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In a few moments, uh, we're going to line up uh, right over here, uh, and we're going to have ashes applied to our foreheads, while the words, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, repent and believe the gospel, are spoken to us. For some of us, uh, that's why we're here, to get the ashes. Uh, it's Ash Wednesday. For others, uh, this uh, all may seem really, really weird. And for yet others, uh, this may seem confusing and maybe even contradictory, especially given the passages from the Bible that were just read out to us, uh, which in places warn explicitly against practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. 
But this does beg the question, what exactly are we doing tonight? What is it that we are called to remember and what is it that we are called to do? And that's really all that I want to do in the next few minutes here, to try and answer these two questions. What are we called to remember on Ash Wednesday and what are we called to do? So what are we called to remember as we enter into these 40 days we call Lent, which are leading up to the celebration of Easter, the celebration of Jesus triumphing over death and bringing us life and restoration. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Repent and believe the gospel. This phrase can be a sobering and vivid reminder to us that death comes to us all. And maybe that is a really important reminder that we do need. We do live in a culture that uh, at the same time, while it uh, romanticizes death, uh, it also seems to emphasize that like, we're trying to avoid death at all costs. I don't know if you ever feel this tension. Uh, death seems to have become a part of our entertainment. There's uh, this spectacle around it in movies and television or even in the way it's reported in the news. It's shocking. It's tragic. It's noble. It's heartbreaking. And yet, even as we're surrounded by death, most of us are increasingly isolated from death. There's, uh, there's a way in which uh, we have this industry that's kind of grown up around the end of life that's resulted in many of us outsourcing the decisions and customs surrounding death uh, to the experts. And for a lot of us, we just try to avoid thinking of death as little as possible. We don't think about it unless we absolutely have to. So for many of us, uh, death is only an intruder that interrupts our routines. And maybe that's how you've uh, viewed going through this pandemic and have just tried to get back to business as usual as, uh, as we move on. A couple weeks ago, I was on my way home from dinner with my wife. Uh, we were out celebrating her birthday. We took the subway home from Midtown uh, up to uh, Harlem. We got up to uh, 145th Street uh, and the station there, it's a big station, we got off on the lower level uh, platform and walked up the stairs to catch the express train that was on the upper level. If you're familiar with the subway system, you know that uh, if you're facing the direction of train travel, on, on your left is usually the express tracks and on the right is usually the local. Well, we got up to the platform and I look over to my left and I see a man pushing a city bike down the middle of the express track as if he's just taking a Sunday stroll through Central Park. There's, there's a guy on the platform and he's got his phone out and he's recording the guy on the tracks. There's a lady next to us on the platform and uh, she's freaking out because there's a guy on the tracks. Uh, and, uh, and we're just like, what's going on? Uh, we're hoping a train doesn't come. So I, I go over to the edge of the platform and I try to get the guy's attention, uh, but he just, he seems to be completely out of it. He's not responding to me at all. So he wanders a bit further down the tracks and then he starts trying to lift the bike up onto the platform. So um, I went over there and I, I grabbed the bike and I hauled it up onto the platform. And uh, uh, while, while I'm doing that, he starts to like 
kind of awkwardly try to pull himself like backwards up onto the platform, and it's not working. Uh, so, uh, but he just completely ignores that I'm there. Um, like I'm trying to extend my hand to him, I'm trying to like see if I can help him, and he just starts walking back down the tracks. And so about this time, a train pulls into the station. Uh, but fortunately, it's on the local track. Um, so I flag down the conductor, and she's trying to get the guy's attention. And by this point, the man's moved up about to the very front edge of the platform. And if, if you know uh, the edge of the platform, there's like a little ladder up there um, that the workers use. And he just pulls himself up on this ladder uh, where there's kind of restricted access. Uh, Pulls himself up, gets on the platform, uh, and then just kind of looks blankly at everybody. Uh, looks at us like, we're kind of crazy. Like, what are you doing looking at me? Uh, grabs his bike, and he hops on the train. And so everybody is standing on the platform, kind of looking around, and we're like, okay, crisis averted. Guy's no longer on the tracks. Um, and then everybody just went on their own way. Um, we got on the train. Train takes off. Um, and uh, that was it. And I, I've thought about that whole interaction a number of times in the last week or the last couple of weeks. Uh, thought about how that could have played out very, very differently uh, if the express train showed up. Um, but also just thinking about how people just, some people just treated it like a spectacle, right? Phones out, recording it. Um, let's see if we can pop this up online. Um, and then just how everybody just moved on with it afterwards. Uh, just moved on with the evening. And so uh, I think in a similar way, uh, it can be so easy to turn this evening that we're in, Ash Wednesday, into the same sort of spectacle whereby uh, we give some sort of passing thought and maybe a sincere, intense feeling to the idea of death uh, without really grasping the weight and the meaning of it. What is Ash Wednesday calling us to remember? The words, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, repent and believe the gospel, can for some of us, uh, maybe it feels like a guilt trip, or an invitation to be sad about all the bad stuff uh, that you've done, or guilty about all the good stuff that you failed to do. But that too falls short of what this is all about. It's not about beating ourselves up or groveling before God. Now, now, there is sadness in Lent. There is cause for introspection and penitence and, and, uh, and really grasping sin. Uh, but as the, the Reverend Dr. Esau uh, Macaulay says, the sadness of Lent is not a general sadness about the inevitability of death but an explicitly Christian diagnosis of the cause of death. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. It's a throwback to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, where the first people that God created rebelled against God in their pride, and in turning their backs on God, who is the author of life, they now face judgment and death. A word for this turning away from God and relying on our own self-sufficiency is sin. And that is the ultimate cause of death. That is the state of all humanity. That's where we are, separated from God and facing death. This ties into uh, the beginning of our reading in Isaiah. 
In our Isaiah passage, we meet God's people as they're being called out because of their sins. Even though they seem to, in verse 2, seek God daily, delight to know God's ways, and they fast and humble themselves, in verse 3, they sin. It seems they do these things for the pursuit of their own pleasure, and they end up oppressing others in their pursuit. The sin of selfish pride undergirds all of their religious observance. So we're called to remember our sinfulness, that which leads to death, even if, and maybe especially if, we consider ourselves religious. But that's not all. We are told to repent and believe the gospel. I don't know what that, those words bring up for you, uh, but, but these words point us actually to the hope that we have in Jesus who overcame death. If you look at our our second reading in 2 Corinthians, in verse 21 it says, For our sake he, and it's God, made him, it's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's a lot in there. But I just want to focus on one thing. Jesus is God. He's stepping into our story. He's taking on our sin, and he's taking on the effects of that sin, ultimately death. So that we're made right with God and and we can experience a fullness of life that goes on into eternity. And it's in this passage, there's just such strong language that emphasizes Jesus taking on our sins so that he becomes sin and, and we becoming his righteousness. It's like his righteousness transforms us so that we can live in a way that endures all the hardships and afflictions and calamities that are listed on. Death doesn't have hold of us anymore. So repent and believe the gospel. Do you believe that Jesus, through his death, breaks the power that death holds on, it, holds on us and frees us to live a full life, a purposeful life? One that endures hardships and calamities and even empowers us to live out the last half of our passage in Isaiah, where we're called to loose the bonds of the oppressed and pour ourselves out for the hungry. Well, we're all called to respond to this. Whether this is the first time you're considering who Jesus is and what he's done, or if you've followed Jesus for many years. So what is it that we're called to do on Ash Wednesday? We're entering a season that's probably most well-known for fasting, you know, giving up something. And we have the words of Jesus in our last reading in Matthew, warning against doing all of these things in front of everyone to be seen by everyone. Well, Jesus is checking our hearts here, right? We can even do these things like fasting in a way that feeds the very pride and selfishness that we're supposed to be on guard against. We're called to repent and believe the gospel. Repentance is a turning away from one thing and turning towards another. It's the way you start out life as a follower of Jesus. And it's the way that you continue to follow Jesus. And if I can quote uh, Esau Macaulay again, he says this about repentance. He says that God's call to repentance is a call to give up those things that can only bring death. We're called to give up things, not for show, 
not to increase our feelings of guilt and sadness, not to grovel and feel bad, not to earn favor with God, not out of duty, but to cast off anything in our life that we go to for meaning and purpose in life in the place of Jesus. Our gospel reading ends with these words. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is about examining your life to see what things we go to for meaning and purpose in life instead of Jesus. What is it do that you treasure? What do you turn to when you're anxious? What do you work all those long hours for? What do we chase after thinking that they will bring us life, but in the end, all they are is another step toward the grave? Those are the things we're called to give up. And it's not just about giving up. It's not just giving up something. Repentance is turning away from something, but it's also turning towards something. It's about turning towards Jesus. So as we are entering into the season of Lent, as we're looking down the road at Easter Sunday, as we're looking at what Jesus will go through, um, what is it that you treasure? What, what is it that, that uh, you want to give up so that you can truly treasure Jesus? That's what Lent's about. So how are you going to turn towards Jesus during this season of Lent? Let's think about that. And as we turn to the imposition of ashes, um, let it weigh on your heart. Uh, yes, our, our, our sin, but also who Jesus is, who it is that we're turning to, because um, he's worth it. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com slash give.